Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Vipers Viper Bite series. What if it's a new series that we've kicked off here? We've talked about a couple different scenarios in the NFL universe that could have turned out different if a few things had been rearranged. That being said, we are going to go back to 2004 and we're going to revisit the 2004 NFL entry draft. Now, players refusing to play for a team that drafted them, that is nothing new, especially in the NFL. In 1962, Ernie Davis was selected by the then-Washington Redskins, but due to ownership, he refused to play for that team. And the former Syracuse halfback and Heisman Trophy winner, who had been selected first overall by Washington, was traded to the Cleveland Browns. We all remember how great of a football player that John Elway turned out to be, but many forget just how good of a baseball player he was. At Stafford, the right fielder would hit 361 with nine home runs, 50 RBIs in 49 contests. And George Steinbrenner there at the New York Yankees, he loved the future Hall of Famer. So when Elway refused to play for the Baltimore Colts, who had selected him first overall, he had some leverage. Elway's father had advised him against playing for then-head coach Frank Kush there, not only because he was considered harsh, but the Colts, they weren't very good. Elway demanded a trade from the Colts, and the Colts, they found a partner there in the Denver Broncos. In that trade, the Colts would receive Chris Hinton, Mark Herman, and a first-round pick in 1984 that turned out to be guard Ron Soltz. John Elway wasn't the only quarterback to say thanks, but no thanks to the team that selected him in 1983. Jim Kelly said he did not want to play in any cold weather climates. That's right. The guy who just played in Miami did not want to go to Minnesota. He did not want to go to Green Bay, and he certainly did not want to go to Buffalo. And he basically said, you guys do not draft me because I'm not going to play for you. Well, the Bills, they passed on their first of two first-round selections that season, but with the 14th overall, they selected the Pittsburgh native who had an impressive college career there at the University of Miami. Now, Kelly stayed true to his word. He refused to sign with the Bills, and instead he chose to sign with the USFL's Houston Gamblers. The USFL would fold a couple seasons later, and Kelly would eventually become a Bill. Of course, we can't forget the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selection of Auburn running back Bo Jackson in the 1986 NFL Draft. Jackson refused to pay for owner Hugh Culberhouse after the Bucks owner had flown Jackson into Tampa for a meeting which was a violation of NCAA rules and ended Jackson's collegiate baseball career right there on the spot. There were some bad feelings that went down. When the Buccaneers selected Jackson, he went on the baseball route there and eventually being drafted in the seventh round in the 1987 draft by L. Davis and the Los Angeles Raiders. Also in that 1987 draft, the New England Patriots selected Rich Gannon in the fourth round. The Patriots, they wanted to convert the future NFL MVP to wide receiver or defensive back or possibly even a running back. Now, Gannon was quickly able to find a trade partner there in Minnesota. And while success wasn't immediate, he it ended up working out pretty good for Gannon down the road. This all brings us to the 2004 NFL Draft. At the time, the San Diego Chargers owned the right to the first overall selection. Now, Archie Manning and Eli Manning had publicly stated that Eli would not sign with the Chargers if they decided to draft him with that first overall selection. This was a Chargers team that already had LaDainian Tomlinson, who was coming off a 1,647-yard rushing season, in which he also added 725 receiving yards on a, like 100 receptions or something like that. A Chargers team that had Antonio Gates, a Chargers team that had David Boston as the primary targets for 
Drew Brees. Now, Archie Manning, he must have been having flashbacks of his playing time down with a very bad New Orleans Saints team. Those who remember history remember Archie Manning was basically running for his life in a lot of those contests. And he did not want his son Eli to go through the same type of growing pains in which he had to endure throughout his career. Now, despite Eli and Archie saying that he would not sign with the Chargers, San Diego still made Eli Manning the first overall pick in that 2004 draft. Perhaps the most awkward draft photo of all time is Eli Manning holding up that Chargers jersey on draft day. Years later, Eli would reveal on the Kyle Brandt show on his 10 questions with Kyle Brandt why he took that stance. It was my decision having talked to my agent, coaches, general managers, and owners, Manning said, Going through the draft process, I was just worried about the Chargers organization at the time. I felt it was the right decision, and I had a little bit of pull. I quietly tried to say, hey, please don't draft me. It, it can be our little secret, but they didn't want to keep the secret very well. The 2004 NFL Draft saw four quarterbacks being selected in the first round, including San Diego's selection of Eli Manning. The New York Giants selected Phillip Rivers. Pittsburgh selected Ben Roethlisberger at 11 overall. And the Buffalo Bills grabbed J.P. Lossman with the 22nd pick. Eli Manning would eventually be dealt on draft day. New York was able to acquire Manning services in a deal in which the Chargers received Phillip Rivers and a pair of draft picks. First, the Chargers would use that 2004 third round pick on kicker Nate Kading. And in 2005, they would use that first round selection on linebacker Sean Merriman. Fans have been debating for years the Hall of Fame credentials of all three quarterback selections from that class. At least the top three, that is. Now, Eli Manning, he has a pair of Super Bowl rings, including a Super Bowl victory over the once undefeated New England Patriots. You cannot tell the history, the story of the NFL without talking about that game. Yet, of all three of these quarterbacks, Manning has perhaps the worst passing stats of all three. When Manning retired in 2019, he had 57,023 passing yards on 8,119 attempts. He tossed 366 touchdowns to go along with 244 interceptions and won as many games as he had lost. Yes, 117 wins, 117 losses. However, in 12 playoff contests, Manning would end up throwing for 2,815 yards along with a 2-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he tossed 18 touchdowns. As for Phillip Rivers, he would retire with a record of 134 and 106 while throwing for 63,440 yards, 421 touchdowns, 209 interceptions, while averaging 7.8 yards per attempt. Success in the playoffs, however, eluded Rivers throughout his career as he won just 5 of 12 playoff contests. In those 12 games, Rivers would throw for an additional 2,965 yards and 16 touchdowns. Of the three, Ben Roethlisberger had the better passing number, 64,088 yards, 417 touchdowns, 211 interceptions. And he also had the better career record at 165, 81, and 1. And he also had the jewelry to prove it. But what if, what if Eli Manning had become a Charger? The entire landscape of the 2004 draft would look vastly different. If Manning had become a Charger, there's a good chance that the Giants would have looked at trading back as they had their eyes set on Ben Roethlisberger. That was the Giants guy. Roethlisberger knew how to play in the cold. Coming from the University of Miami, Ohio, he was big and he had a cannon of a right arm. In fact, the Giants had already talked about a trade back with the Browns and even had Roethlisberger's name written down on their draft 
card. It was the Chargers, the Chargers that had circled back to the Giants, and the Giants changed their draft pick to Philip Rivers, who the Chargers wanted if they couldn't have Eli Manning. Anyway, Manning is a Charger now in this scenario. Roethlisberger is a Giant, which means the Steelers would end up with Philip Rivers at pick number 11. We look at Manning as a potential Hall of Famer because of his success in the playoffs and those rings. It's hard to get into the Hall if you don't have the rings. It's going to be debated. When we talk about the best quarterbacks of all time, even Dan Marino, who is arguably the best quarterback, pure passer the game has ever seen, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves because he don't have that ring. In San Diego, Manning never has the same kind of a success that he had in New York. Those passing numbers don't look nearly as good. Heck, he may not even be in top 10 in terms of passing. Currently, Manning's 57,023 yards sits around 5,000 more than that of Matthew Stafford. Manning's postseason success had a lot to do with those Giants defenses, primarily the pass-rushing abilities of Michael Strahan, Osio Manera, and Justin Tuck. San Diego never had a pass-rush opposite of Phillip Rivers at any time that Phillip Rivers was there, outside of maybe uh, Sean Merriman getting to the quarterback a few times. With Manning in San Diego, Eli doesn't end up with any rings. We get deprived of the helmet catch, and Manning doesn't even get consideration for those Hall of Fame conversations. How about Ben Roethlisberger as a New York Giant? First off, the Giants fans, they'd be happy with Roethlisberger, who had a 4-1 record against New York. For Roethlisberger, I would love to sit here and tell you the Giants would win multiple Super Bowls with him under center. He was a much better quarterback than Manning. But could he have handled that New York media, considering some of those off-field transgressions early on in his career? Perhaps Kurt Warner, who was there in New York to mentor Eli Manning, has a more prominent role after said transgressions. With both Roethlisberger and Warner in New York, we never get that Steelers-Cardinals Super Bowl, at least not the way that we remember it. If Roethlisberger stays out of trouble and handles this New York media, then the Giants and Roethlisberger may end up having even more success. Remember, the Manning-led Giants were a 500 team throughout his tenure in the Big Apple. Well, Roethlisberger had won nearly 67% of the games in which he started for the Steelers. In 2005, the Giants, they lost to the Carolina Panthers 23-0 in that NFC wildcard. In 2006, they would lose again in the wildcard to the Eagles 23-20. In 2008, as the top seed, they would once again lose to the Eagles, this time at Giant Stadium 23-11. And then finally, in 2016, Manning and the Giants would lose once again in that wild card round to the Green Bay Packers. Looking at all those losses in the playoffs, you have to believe, especially in that 2008 season, that the Giants would win or have at least a better shot of going deep in the playoffs with Ben Roethlisberger under center. Perhaps they're even playoff bound in 2009 when they were 8-8, eight and eight, 2010 when they were 10-6, and six, and 2012 when they are 9-7. and seven. So you add those extra playoff games into it, and we may have you talking about all kinds of success for this Giants team. With these Giants teams, remember, those 2007 to 2012, if the Giants were able to get in the playoffs, either one and done or they were going to the Super Bowl. If you throw a couple more of those playoff berths into it, you increase those chances at another Lombardi. Listen, at the end of the day, the Giants are going to have more success with Roethlisberger than they had with Manning. Perhaps it's not as memorable, but the success would have been there. Do the Giants beat the Patriots with Ben Roethlisberger in those Super Bowl championships? I would like to think in at least one of those Super Bowl showdowns, that would be the case. However, Roethlisberger's 2-8 and eight record, including the playoffs against Brady and the Patriots, I don't know if that's, going, that's, that's not a guarantee here. Look, like it or not, Eli Manning was Tom Brady's kryptonite. And in this timeline, Roethlisberger's resume for the Hall of Fame, it's going to stay intact. 
As for Phillip Rivers, if you ask me right now, is he a Hall of Famer? The answer is yes. That said, I have nothing to do with the voting process. Rivers, he played with some great players during his time in San Diego and Los Angeles, but you have to imagine how gaudy his stats would have looked with the likes of Heinz Ward, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Samuels, uh, Antonio and Brown there, Juju Smith-Schuster, Heath Miller, Deontay Johnson, Santonio Holmes. Could you imagine what the gunslinger could have been accomplishing with that kind of offense? Not to mention the support he would have had in the backfield that included Jerome Bettis, Le'Veon Bell, and Najee Harris. Pittsburgh, they've had stability in the coaching ranks. It's been Bill Cower, who was the Steelers coach in that 2004 championship season, and he remained such until Mike Tomlin took over in 2007. Whereas the Chargers, they had five such coaches there from 2002 to 2021. At least it wasn't as many coaches as Rivers has children. I mean, that's something, right? As good of a passer as Manning and Roethlisberger may have been, Rivers was better. And given the same weapons that Roethlisberger had at his disposal, Rivers would easily pass Roethlisberger into fifth all-time, and he could have really made a push closer to the mark set by Brett Favre and Peyton Manning. I really believe that. Rivers hitting Santonio Holmes against the Cardinals in the back of the end zone in that Super Bowl doesn't really have the same mental imagery as I remember Ben Roethlisberger when he did it. Then again, who knows? Maybe Warner is still in New York, and the Steelers are playing the Eagles in Raymond James Stadium. Or, or hear me out, in this what-if scenario, why don't we just... Put Ben Roethlisberger in the Giants there, upsetting the Eagles, and they go on to dispatch the Arizona Cardinals in that NFC Championship, earning the right to meet Phillip Rivers and the Pittsburgh Steelers in Super Bowl 43. Oh, I got chills there. I'll let your minds play that scenario out. Now, the Super Bowl in which Ben Roethlisberger lost with the Steelers, it was a 31-25 defeat at the hands of the Green Bay Packers. I would question whether or not Rivers could have made a difference in that contest. Roethlisberger was 25 of 40 for 263 yards while throwing for a pair of touchdowns and interceptions. That difference that day was Aaron Rodgers did not turn the ball over. One thing that is constantly being thrown in Rivers' face when it comes to his place in the Hall of Fame conversation is the lack of rings. We call it the Marino syndrome there. If he had been drafted by the Steelers, he would be looking at possibly two to three rings, and we wouldn't even be having this conversation of should he be in the Hall of Fame, but rather not should he be getting in on a first ballot basis. Like Roethlisberger and every other quarterback, Tom Brady, he had Rivers' number going 7-1 and one against him in his career while he was with the Chargers. With the supporting cast in Pittsburgh and Rivers' gunslinger mentality, Rivers and the Steelers, they likely win an extra game or two against one of the greatest of all time along the way. At least the Chargers didn't end up with someone like Robert Gallery. If they would have, it would have made Raiders fans much happier. No Robert Gallery in silver and black, and possibly Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, or Ben Roethlisberger, or even Larry Fitzgerald in silver and black. Man, a man can dream, can't he? With that all being said, what do you think happens if the quarterbacks from the 2004 draft trade places? And also hit me up with some of those other what-if scenarios that you'd like to hear me talk about. We'll see you next time.